Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we are back with Flowtrack Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmo.com. I'm Kevin, he's Gordon, and I want to begin today, as we began a lot of shows, which is a review of Gordon's Twitter account. Gordon, you put out a stat yesterday that blew my mind. Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be the first team ever to host the Super Bowl? Is that true? Yeah, it is. <laughs> They're also re- uh, selling the naming rights of Tampa Bay to Tampa Bay. It's great. It's crazy. <laughs> Hey, here's the thing. No sarcastic, I'm a, I'm a, correct? No sarcastic, sarcastic, correct? Okay. Uh, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, so I hate the Patriots, and I hate Tom Brady and all of his success. But now that he's not with the Patriots, I kind of like Tom Brady and all of his success because <laughs> no one really cares if a Tampa Bay fan gets to feel victory because they're like there's like 12 of them. So it's <laughs> now, Tampa, now when Tom Brady wins, it's like, it hurts the Patriots. So it's like, it feels good. You know, that's, that's my take. So I'm kind of, it is Bob. There are some crazy Tom Brady stats that are out there from age 37 on. He has made mm-hmm. more Super Bowls than any quarterback in their career. Yeah. So when, after he turned yeah. 37, he's had like a full career, which is crazy. What I didn't know, cause I don't really pay attention to the NFL when did every NFL quarterback become like 37 years of age or older? Because somehow Drew Brees is what 42 or something. I mean, he's probably retiring. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers is late 30s. Ben Roethlisberger is late 30s. Tom Brady 43 years old. When did this become like the senior tour in in golf? I don't like. I I guess I'm kind of comfortable with it because it means that. Like all these other players are changing. Like you don't watch the NFL for two or three years and you don't recognize anybody on defense. You don't recognize anybody who's playing wide receiver for certain teams because they've just recycled completely new players. But a lot of quarterbacks just nothing changes. Just well, another year. The main, re- back there. the main reason is the NFL has made drastic rule changes to protect the quarterback. They they really have ingrained in defenses' minds if you break a quarterback's nail, you're out. You're your you're penalty. So I think the lack of big hits that quarterbacks take, especially quarterbacks that don't run around, they're able to their longevity is stronger because think about it. I mean they're the the, the taxing on their body is not as much as a linebacker who or a running back or a wide receiver who's getting right. pounded. You're they're not getting those crazy hits as often as any other player is, like a lineman or all that stuff. So they're able to last longer. Their body's more, you know, preserved. And quarterback is the hardest, one of the hardest uh, jobs in the world. And if you're good at it, it's like a rare commodity. So you don't want to mm-hmm. get rid of someone who already can do it. You don't want to have to. You don't want to. You don't want to move on and see if this 22 year old can figure it out. You're like, hey, we know some guy who already knows it you know it's like ageism in the workplace but the opposite they're just going to keep the old guy and never give the new guy a shot philip rivers is 39 and he hasn't been yeah. mobile for 10 years you're right. that was good analysis i actually didn't know that again because i don't pay yeah. that much attention to the nfl so that might have been an obvious statement but i'm glad that you explained that that to me do you have a do you have a super bowl pick or do you want to save that for two weeks from now after you look at the I numbers mean, everyone is itching for the Gordon Mack Super Bowl pick. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, know, I think the Chiefs will win, but I want Tampa Bay to win. Mm, contrarian take there. I like it. Uh, I want to read an email that we got here. Speaking of things that people want from Gordon Mack. Uh, Luke from Delaware wrote in, 
He says, often I've thought to myself that Kevin Sully could talk the paint off of a wall. On January 22nd, 2001, I witnessed the paint on my kitchen wall begin to peel as Mr. Kevin Sully went on an 11-minute solo performance of the year, a new PR, according to Tila Stapaya. Sometimes <laughs> it takes a lot of talent to make something so difficult look or sound so easy. Then Gordon ruined it. Just kidding, Gordon. That's Luke mm -hmm. from Delaware. Yeah, I did ruin it. I remember I w went back and listened to your 11-minute take. Not bad. <laughs> Give it a six out of ten, seven out of ten. It was six point. It was hard. Six point five. Next time I'm gonna need yeah. more notes. Like like Dan Patrick can always kick it over to the like six guys sitting with microphones next to him, or someone hands him a sheet of paper and he can read it. Like if he needs to to get bailed out a little bit. Uh, I would. It was just me. It was just me. And I guess I could have thrown it over to Elon, but I think he was probably um, waiting for you to call in at that point. It's hard. It's hard to have a conversation how do, with you. How do radio so. hosts do three hours every day? I guess they call they have, that's why they have callers. Well, and they do I think this is how the format used to be. They do 7-minute blocks and then commercials. So they just think in 7-minute segments. Okay, I'm going to talk about the first game for the first 7 minutes, then I'm going to do the second game for the next 7 minutes. So I, I guess if you had a break, you get your your thoughts and your ideas uh together, but I don't know if I'm ever going to have the opportunity to do it again. Um because the chances of you ever being late again are pretty low. I think you're just going to be on time from here on out. So Maybe. Or I could be late again. You never know. <laughs> or Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's talk track. We got some records to touch on. We have some fast collegiate performances as well. And some Just news. a whole bunch of news here. Yeah, a lot of news, actually. This is this will be a packed show. This will be a packed show, so let's get to it. Um, don't have time for you to dive deeper on that Super Bowl pick, unfortunately. But Ryan Krauser, I told you, Gordon. I said people are going to go big in this meet. And you said, I don't know. It's going to be the first one in a while. But – we saw Krauser with the world record. We saw Grant Holloway equal his American record. And we saw Trayvon Burbell almost get a PR right out the gate. Uh, what were your thoughts on the American track lead debut meet? I mean, the three people who went big are the best in the world at their sport. Everyone else did not go big. Everyone else was super mediocre, except for the three basic Olympic favorites who went big. Yeah, but they went, Holloway, but they went historically big. They went yeah, historically, historically big. big. Yes, but we can't act like we. You can't just if if one percent of the field is doing great, we can't just all of a sudden it was a great meet because ninety nine percent of the field went out there and ran forty six seconds in a four hundred. Like, meanwhile, we have Matthew Bowling, who we'll talk about later, going out there running forty five seconds, and he's nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Anyway, regardless, let's talk about Ryan Krauser, <laughs> uh, world record. Mm hmm. This guy, I mean, I remember I went on that crazy stat when he he's broken 22 meters over 100 times. The next guy hasn't done it like more than 20 or something like that. It is becoming like he's throwing a baseball like or like a grapefruit right now. You know, I feel like he could probably throw a shot put farther than I could throw a grapefruit. That's how great he's being right now. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean – it's, I mean, I think 23 meters is on his mind, right? That's probably the one, like, hanging fruit that he wants to crack, right? That's, like, his sub-four performance. He wants that breaking 23 meters. But I, I think he's going to do it. He When on bad days, he's throwing 22 lows, 22 mids. And on good days, he's running 20, throwing 22 highs. You have to imagine a great day, he's going to crack 23 meters. He's only gone farther than this twice outdoors. So this is his third best throw ever. And he did it in his second indoor meet. Yeah, 23. That's the that's the next step for him. I mean, what, 2291 outdoors. So he's already dangerously close. But he doesn't need competition because we've seen him do this stuff in meets that he wins by huge distances. He doesn't need a bunch of meets to get going either. So you think if you hit 22, 7, and 8 just consistently, repeatedly, that outlier performance where you get that throw over 23 seems to be seems to be coming. Underrated part of this, he did this in a hat indoors, which I think was cool as well too. Um, you know, you can't, can't discount that. But what do you think – do you think he's going to get the after world record this year? Do you think this basically – Indicates that we're going to see him get Randy Barnes's mark at some point in the 2021 season. 
Well, I think about this. You probably, I think every, I think every athlete knows this feeling when they set a PR in like one of their first two meets, like of the season, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone was yeah. like, "Ooh, my baseline is now my high point from last year, right?" So I can only yeah. go up, right? It's that good feeling, like when you PR in the beginning of a season, you think the end of the season. You're just going to be even amazing. Now, sometimes it, it yeah. works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but he's in that zone that all of our athletes love to be, where you reset your baseline, and like when you're able to reset your baseline to a a new level. And I mean, yeah, I think he's going to. I mean, what else is especially indoor? Like, what else he has to prove? I think you. There's no point of trying to throw another indoor meet. I mean, he might, but like. If he, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird like a Mondo Duplantis moment, right? Because what if he does keep throwing indoors, and yeah. breaks the outdoor world record indoors? Then we're gonna have this weird feeling of like, <laughs> did he is he a world record holder or is he not? Right? Because indoor world records, outdoor world records. I wonder the differences for throwing. I mean, does the wind, the wind may help you or hurt you? Throwing in the, in the shot, not much. In the shot, not much. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Maybe I don't. Think. I mean, the, this was the old record was twenty two, sixty six. So this was easy for him based on what he did yeah. last year. How many times consistently he threw that mark? I think it was just a matter of getting the opportunity uh, and getting at least one competition under his belt before he did it. The weird thing, though, Gordon, is like we're talking about him chasing history, but there's. Two other guys who are right with him, right there, right who right now who have the capability of throwing this far in Kovacs and Walsh. So it there's like a very small line between Krauser world record and then Krauser getting Third beat place. in a competition too. Yeah, exactly. A bronze. Bronze. You go from best of all time to bronze uh pretty quickly because there's a lot of guys right now. It's a golden era right now of the in the shot put. So it was, um, it's just funny how he didn't miss a beat. It's like, oh, okay, 2020 extended season, basically for Ryan Krause. Like what, what he was doing last year, he didn't change a thing. He went out and knocked one out of the park first time. I wasn't surprised at all when I saw the mark. Um, ditto kind of with Grant Holloway. Because if you remember last year, Gordon, before things got shut down, Grant Holloway ran a, a quick 60 hurdle time last year. And then obviously we didn't, we didn't see him indoors again, and then the entire season got disrupted. But he goes out in this meet, runs a 7.38, which equals that time that he ran at the NCAA Indoor Championships a couple years ago in, in Birmingham. What do you think of Grant's debut? you updating the lower third? Are you changing that number? No, why? Is it not 7.38? It says 6.38. Oh, Grant, I'm sorry. Someone's going to well, screenshot that. Maybe one. It's not day, the first time Grant uh, PRs have been questioned on the internet. If anyone is a follower of the Adidas Running Instagram handle, uh, they asked, they had a little poll with Grant Holloway, and they said, "What event does Grant Holloway own the American and NCA record in?" And it said, 400, 400 hurdles, one hundred, one ten hurdles." None hmm. of which are the correct answer because he does not have the American record in the one ten hurdles. The correct answer was the 60-meter hurdles where he owns the American record and the collegiate record. Are you updating? That should it? actually say – no, it should say 735 anyway. It shouldn't even – 638 – or 738 was the rounds, and then he came back and ran 730. Yeah, where, where do you get the 638 from? That was the first round. The first round on, on, um, on you Sunday. I update? I can update it. I think I, I think you should update it. Um We'll just restart this entire segment. We screwed it up. Um, we had one job here. No, it's fine. And that was to give Grant Holloway his his due. Um, regardless, great performance. What do you – I mean – The thing about Holloway – I mean, I feel like he's already done enough in the indoor scene that, like, it's kind of – I mean, I guess technically the world record is still out there in the hurdles, the 60 hurdles, mm -hmm. and that's probably what he's eyeing for. But, like, Grant Holloway to me is just, like, 
he's going into a realm where like I kind of don't care what he does indoors. The same way no one on the planet Earth cared what Usain Bolt did indoors. They just didn't. They were like, all right, whatever. No one cares Mm -hmm. if Usain Bolt has a fast 60 time or an indoor 200 time. They just want to see Bolt, see what he can do in the 100 and what he can do in the outdoor 200. And I think Holloway, and for that matter, even Lyles in a weird way, it's kind of just like, yeah, it's cool, but it's like glorified, like – exhibition where well i want to see holloway breaking 13 minutes 13 seconds in the 110 (laughs) i want to see holloway running a low nine nine in the open hundred his 60 stuff we just know you're you're the best at it and it's kind of like save the 60 for the college kids right but right now the choice isn't that the choice is between seeing him run indoors or don't see him race at all um i like how we're just continuing to butcher his times you got him breaking 13 minutes I have running 638. It's just all over. It's all over the place here on the Grant Holloway section. Look, here's what I know with with Grant Holloway. He last year, Grant Holloway, 2020, okay, got out to a like we don't know. We'll never know what he would have done in in 2020, but he ran one indoor meet and then ran 738. He ran one indoor meet and ran 738. You could make an argument. And it would be a pretty persuasive argument that he would have gone on last year to win the Olympic gold medal. And then in 2021, right now, we'd be looking at can Grant complete the three-peat in the high hurdles. Um, instead, he's going to try to go for you know two in three years because the championships were, were closed. But I think this is a sign of his dominance. And I know the 60 hurdle plays a lot to his strengths. Uh, but he's a pretty dang good... 110 hurdler as well too so i think we could have we could have seen a a string of three straight holloway golds now it's going to be a bit interrupted not to say that he can't start a a new streak without this year but i don't know like when you do that out the gate just like with krauser i mean you you tie your best time ever in 2019 i mean we know how many new times baseline. he raced in 2019 yeah. yeah new baseline exactly but but that was the question, right, with him was, okay, he went from doing a whole bunch of events to just doing one event. He's probably going to get better when he's just focused on one event and he's a pro. And that's been – from the evidence that we've seen, which is pretty clear that that's the answer. You can't really have an argument, right, that that that, that what he's doing now isn't going to make him vastly superior to what he was before. And what he was before was really good. Yeah, and – I think that for we'll talk about Trayvon next, but I think for Grant, this race, these the this two races he did prelims and finals was just a just a, a friendly reminder that Grant is going to be an all time great talent over these next five to seven years and get ready to ride 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 the train, the Grant train. It's just gonna be phenomenal. I mean, he's gonna go out, he's gonna make I think He's going to make running 13 flat like a norm and just be like, oh, yeah, 13 flat. Eh, I kind of got a little rusty. You know, it was a little sick today. 13 flat, no big deal. And, like, he's going to be really aiming for Arius Merritt's record and trying to be, like, consistently a sub-13 guy day in and day out. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And we saw – that in college too, where he was running you know, 13, two, 13, one, so many times he made that seem routine. And by the time he got done with his collegiate career, he was all over the all time list. Makes sense that that would happen when he becomes pro and full-time. It's just hard to judge. Cause he never, he got that first full pro season got taken from him because yeah. of the, the, the pandemic last year. He ran one meet indoors. It was spectacular. Then he had to take a whole bunch of time off. And then he goes over and runs a couple races in Europe. And at that point, your whole season is screwed up. All of your rhythm yeah. is off. So I'm looking at this last yeah. year. He ran four outdoor competitions total and then that one indoor competition. But there was you know a huge gap between indoor and outdoor. And he shut everything down in the end of August. 
I think I think that's a good point. I think you bring up a good point that 13 is going to become routine for him because if you're able to run under seven four, that's pretty. That 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 that, that bodes well. Uh, you brought up Trayvon Bromel. My goodness, did he look good? Six forty eight just blew out the field. It's hard to have a decisive sixty victory, but Trayvon Bromel had a decisive sixty victory here. One uh, one hundredth off of his his PB. It was funny when I watched it with every 60 race indoors, I'm always nervous. Someone's going to fall or get hurt when they go up the bank and then they run into the wall. And then with Bromel, he kind of, he like chopped his steps after he crossed the line. I was like, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Please be okay. Do not hurt yourself. You just ran six, uh, four. Um, I don't want to overreact and say, okay, now he's a hundred meter favorite based on one indoor race. But he is the hundred meter favorite. Name someone faster I, than him right now. I mean, I think it's between him and Lyles. I think him and Lyles are the co-favorites yeah. right now in the hundred. But I'm not putting him ahead based on one one indoor race. But man, this is going well for for Bromel. These last what six, seven, eight months have gone have gone pretty well for him. Lyles is definitely, in my opinion, not the favorite in the hundred. He still has yet to like Lyles has still yet to show consistency in the hundred of like. Yeah, I can dominate this event too. Like, we keep on just Where's transporting Lyles' success in the 200 that it just is going to be the same in the 100, and it's not right now until he does it. Trayvon's the favorite. Lyles is the second favorite. Lyles, favorites? Go- Lyles, Lyles is barely running any race, If Lyles is in a race, Lyles would have ran like 657 and got smoked by Trayvon. Because Lyles-, oh, Lyles is. Lyles is not going to be stronger in the 60. I, I agree with yeah. you that. His strength is going to be the back half of, of the race. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's where he's going to come on. Bromel's run 984. Lyles has run 986. I think they're, they're, it's, a, it's a dead heat right now between the two of them. But the fact that I'm even saying that just shows you how good Trayvon Bromel's last six months have been. Because on this podcast last year, if we brought up Bromel, we would not have said he was a serious contender for even the Olympics. Forget the Olympic gold, even the Olympics last year. I think we we forget how far he's come in such a short time. So I put him as 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 co favorites here, um, which is probably what I had going into this race as well too. But this only this is only a confidence uh, builder for him. You could see afterwards he was pretty excited about it to to nail his his debut that that well. Here's my thing. The number of, like, these pros were running slower than good high school times after Bromel. Like, why? How are they running, like, 670? I mean, what did, Adri- what did Andre DeGrasse run? DeGrasse struggled. DeGrasse he didn't make the final. DeGrasse yeah, ran so 679. How does that happen? Divino Dajuru was second and ran, he ran 665. That's what I'm saying. You don't usually see margins over almost to two tenths in a in yeah. a in a pro 60. Yeah. I'll give you that. But Bromel showed shape? up. Maybe they're not in That's shape. That's probably part of it. Yeah. Probably part of it. Yeah. That doesn't take away from what Bromel did. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But it, it's the problem with this season is there's no USAs. There's no world indoors. There's no major Milrose type events. So mm-hmm. all these pro athletes, these American pro athletes, when they go out and race, there's like nothing to, they're like, it's like theater. It, it really feels like uh, the, 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 was that the Texas meet that we had in the summer? AP ranch. Yeah. AP ranch, AP ranch. We had, um, Michael Norman run phenomenal nine eight something right, and then everyone else mm-hmm. is running like blah, and I feel like that's what we had here. We had a Bromel, a, a, a Grant, and the Ryan Krauser all do like great things, and then everyone else run blah. Like if you're gonna put together all these great fields, I just don't understand how the second half of all these fields can just really put up mediocre NCAA times. I just I don't get. Well, they're it. not sharp. I think part of it's they're not sharp, and then part of it you don't have the depth in in a lot of the fields because you have a lot of people who aren't going to run 
indoors. That's part of it. At, 60 is weird, right? Because if one thing goes wrong in a 60, it's over. Your race is yeah, over. There's no true. chance to, to make up for it. Um, in the 400, I want to bring this up. Fred Hur- Curley hit the under because you had, what, 45.5. Yeah. He went way under. He went way under. He looked pretty good, Gordon. 45 uh, 03 for, for Fred in the, in the indoor 400 with an easy win there. Fred Curley always just gets overlooked ever since like Norman came on the scene and Curley though when it beat Norman, when everyone thought Norman was going to win and Curley, I guess he kind of had an off year in 2019. I mean, who, I don't even remember who won worlds in 2019. 2019 was Steven Gardner. He got, he got bronze. Gardner. He got bronze. He got and bronze. he beat Norman at USA's. He had a good 2019. Yeah. What do you mean? 2019 was fine. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is, but like Curley, I feel like, has the ability to be like gold medal. So when he doesn't do that, I feel like it's kind of like a disappointment, which is a good compliment to him, but like kind of sucks that it's either gold or bust because he's that good. But Hey, 45 Oh three, that shows that he's in shape. I mean, if you're running 45 flats, that's the equivalent of, I think 44 low outdoor. So he's in that. Mm-hmm. He's in a, he's in that realm going into, the rest of the season. So looking good for Cred Curley, looking good for the U S four by four so far. So that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabby Thomas won the 335.92. Vashtag Cunningham won the high jump. Do you want to talk about the college highlights now? Yeah, let's talk about college. So I made, I'll, I'll do a quick roundabout. We'll do a, a, uh, two minute college recap. Two minutes. I got more than two minutes worth of takes, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll give my two-minute college recap, and then you can respond. Okay, go ahead. Start the timer now. Start with the women's 60. Tonisha Terry runs 714 at the Wupig Classic. 714, I think that would have run the ATL meet. (laughs) But Terry, showing that she's in good form, Uh, the senior now, USC. 714, she's going to be the favorite to win the 60. Abby Snyder. Gets second in that race, won 722, adding to her resume as being my Olympic sleeper favorite to make it into 200 at the outdoor Olympic trials. Because uh, she's now fastest NCA 200 meter runner and second fastest 60 meter runner. Matthew Bowling in the 400 runs 4551 NCA lead. Bowling, who we keep on attaching as sprinter, sprinter, sprinter. Let's see what he does in the 60, what he does in the 200. We got to remember the most viral moment he had was his four by four kickdown in, in high school where he split like 44 seconds in a four by four runs 45, five season opener there in a 400 number one in the NCAA should bowling be focusing on trying to run the 400 at the NCAA level. Should he abandon the 60 to 200? I don't know. Be interesting to dive into what your takes are. Kevin, after my two minute rant, uh, 60, a 600-meter women, a thing, Mo, breaks the collegiate record by running two seconds slower than her personal best, <laughs> which is weird. How can you break the collegiate record but run two seconds slower than your personal best? It just shows that thing, Mo, was really good in the 600 in high school, that the college has yet to catch up to that level of running. She runs 125. 800, this guy named Jason Gomez, sophomore from Iowa State, runs 147. Why is that impressive? Iowa State now has 1,800-meter runners that all will have eligibility in the outdoor. And if you remember two or three weeks ago, Iowa State, on the backs of their 800-meter runners and their 5K, 10K guys could potentially win outdoor team title. All right, men's mile. Amon Kemboy is on the is looking good. We haven't really seen much of him. He redshirted last year when he transferred to Arkansas mm-hmm. to preserve indoor eligibility. Goes out there, runs a 358-mile. Moon Kemboy is going to be one of those guys where Arkansas is going all in on indoors. So he might be one of the men who kind of takes the spot of a Grijalva or a tier if they choose to move back out and focus on cross-country. Kemboy is just going to come in there and make dominate the mid-distance distance events. Women's 3K, Arkansas women continuing to to – to cruise through regular season. They just had three women run 9-12 or faster in the 3K. 
5K women, Mercy Chilangot made her debut. She didn't mm. run that fast. She ran 15.52, but we're a Mercy Chilangot podcast. So you got to mention whenever she runs well, yes, you know, 15.52, yes. Mercy Chilangot Central. On the D2 side, a guy named Christian Noble ran 13.37, breaking the D2 5K record. 13.37, Christian Noble. I wonder if uh, NAU or BYU are going to see if he has any D1 eligibility left and try to get him to transfer in time for the uh, cross-country championships. And then 4x4, North Carolina A&T runs 304, the men, showing that, hey, A&T has got some depth. They got a lot of bodies. Mm -hmm. They could be the Houston of 2021, um, where kind of the non-Power 5 school can come in with a bunch of great sprinters and and dominate. So that's my two-minute recap. Boom. Mm. Well done. Uh, do I I go point by point now and rebut all of these? Okay, no, no, you don't rebut everything. Just pick one. Just pick one thing to rebut. Or no, there was about. a lot of good points. There was a lot of good points you brought up, though. I want to. I mean, women's sixty. You're right. Twenty Shatari looks good. You had her ranked third. I think she's going to jump up to one now, as she should. So it's big for USC. Uh, bowling. Should you run the four hundred? Long-term, I want to see some outdoor 100s and outdoor 200s first because we didn't see that at all last year in college. This was his first indoor 400. Last year, he just ran indoor Open. 60s and indoor 200s. Open, yes, exactly. He ran some He ran some relay legs. But TBD on that one, I think it's a good problem for him to have and for Petros and the rest of the coaches there at UGA to have. It was just like, okay, this guy's good in four events too because he has a long jump as a specialty as well so tbd on that one let's see a thing mo like yeah Holland. that's a weird step yes exactly exactly but 60 may not be his jam but maybe the 100 is like maybe he's improving a bunch in the 100 and we just don't know because we haven't seen him run 100 in college or an outdoor 200 yeah. indoor and outdoor 200s are so hard to compare they're so weird that i don't think we have enough information on bowling as a collegiate 100 or 200 runner because of the season that got wiped out last year uh a thing mo yeah great point there i was like oh collegiate record that's cool wait what did she run oh, okay that's really a weird stat two seconds not just like a half a second but two seconds off that's how good she ran uh how fast she ran when she was in uh, high school iowa state if I didn't know any better, I think you're running for president and need the support of the uh, citizens of Iowa and the Iowa caucus in 2024, the amount of uh, publicity you give to Iowa State in this program. No, I'm just kidding. It's great. Amon Kemboy, welcome to the club about Arkansas. I think their men's team has a chance. You, you're, you're, you're a doubter. I don't know why. Women's 3,000. Interesting that Lauren Gregory led the way there. Um, congrats to Christian Noble on the D2 record. And, of course, Mercy Chilang God is back. We uh, that. yeah, I'm excited for her. It's gonna be a big deal. Yeah, you're the number one. <laughs> we should give like the name of our podcast called the the Flow Track Mercy Chilling Got Podcast. We're presented by Mercy Chilling Got. I hope you go. I hope you get to see her in person compete this year, so you could just see what you've what you've been supporting this whole time. Guarantee uh, she has no idea that I have been talking about her for the past year. <laughs> you're, the, She's like, oh, you're the number one Mercy Ch Track? Mercy Chilling Got. <laughs> Cool. Cool. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Number one mercy stand. You need to make a shirt, yeah. I think. Uh did you want to rebut any of my rebuttals? No, no, you're good. We just wanted to recap. I mean, it's great to see uh college track happening. Um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we still have yet to really see some other like the Pac twelve schools haven't really done much. Mm -hmm. Uh the NAUs, BYU did a little bit, but the distance events have yet to really come to fruition. I mean, it's January 25th, and only two men have broken four in, in the mile, or three if you add in uh, the D2 kid, which is just yeah. like, by now you would think there'd be a bunch, you know, more. I mean, maybe we'll get a better sense after next weekend, uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, typically the last weekend of January is like a big, like, invitational weekend, and maybe that will give us more insight on how the distance events are going to unfold because the sprint events we're getting what we're going to get right they're going to run as much as they can and run as fast as they can the distance is the one that's going to be the weirdest uh but like this upcoming weekend 
big invitationals, but there's also a bunch of cross-country meets. One cross-country mm-hmm. meet in particular, the Big Ten Cross-Country Championships are on January 30th. And a few days ago, news broke that Michigan is suspending all college activity for the next two weeks, which meant that Michigan won't be able to run a Big Tens, which is just wild. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Feel, so, I mean, yeah. you feel horrible for them. And on the men's and women's side, these are teams that could qualify for the NCAA championship. Uh, but aside from that, Big Ten schools, I've covered a lot of Big Ten championships in my time here at FlowTrack, Gordon. Big Ten schools take the Big Ten championship extremely seriously. It's not one of those conferences that, oh, let's just train through and we got our ticket punched to nationals. We're all good. No. Some programs live and die by winning Big Ten titles. So you feel horrible for them about that. But also this just puts them at a severe disadvantage qualifying for nationals in cross country. Because how are you going to – impress the selection committee because that's what we have essentially right now for for cross country this year you have to put together a resume so that people will select your team to go well if you don't have your conference championship i guess you could theoretically jump in a non-conference meet but where are you going to go to get in that meet is the question for michigan so just a tough situation for them you figured there's going to be programs that we're going to get have this situation if you just look at other collegiate sports and how much like so many college but i don't know if people are paying attention necessarily to college basketball because college football was on and obviously the nfl but so many college basketball games get postponed on a daily basis that we don't even really think about it um i've been paying a lot of attention recently to women's basketball um because it's my beat now gordon and it's like every you know a, a program's getting shut down for for two weeks a whole bunch like it's 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 getting more and more common so i figured this would happen in tr- the track and cross country world but it's happened to a team whose conference championship is about to happen you know they were the conference that moved their championship up which makes it that much more um you know frustrating for them yeah and uh and you talk about how like maybe they could enter a meet after the thing is, Big Ten's policy is that um, they are not allowed to compete against non-Big Ten schools. Mm-hmm. So, unless it's NCAAs. So, basically, all the Big Ten schools are only running one cross one cross country meet the entire year, and it's going to be the Big Ten championships, and then that's it. So, unless Big Ten changes the rules to let Michigan race something at the end of February to go to some last chance meet to try to show a, a fast mm. like spread or whatever with a fast you know time to you know yeah convince the committee to let them in they're they're just it's it's just bad it's just it's just stupid i think i mean what if you do this what if you take the top four teams i don't want to say the big 10 championship trouble. what if you take the top four teams <laughs> in the big 10 championship and you just say hey do you guys, you know, once this two weeks passes, maybe middle of February, maybe first week of February, I don't know, whenever the two weeks is up, and you say, do you guys want an all-expense-paid trip to Ann Arbor to run on our beautiful cross-country course? <laughs> what will wine and dine you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll we'll make it worth your time. It's Ann Arbor is beautiful the second week of February. It's a great time to, to go up there. You could – they all send their They're B good. team. Hey, just you could beat, beat our B team, and we'll get, and we'll let you in. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have your rankings in front of me, but they're both national championship yeah. qualifying teams, right? Yeah, they're top both twenty. Top, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I think people would be predisposed to pick them. It would only take one race for them to to show up and do it. Now, they can't go outside of the Big Ten. Can they stay in state and compete against like? schools in michigan or do you, you it's only big 10 versus big 10 it's That's only all, big all 10 but yeah again maybe they could change the rules i mean maybe what yeah. they could do i mean the I big 10's know. never gone I mean, back on their rules before i can't think of a single instance yeah. when the big 10 has changed what they're gonna do it's true could they uh well i feel like the big 10's gonna be like what cross country's happening oh yeah, yeah. no we're busy it is an indoor season yeah yeah they, they just don't care i guarantee you michigan once they made that announcement, we're suspending all activity. 
I guarantee you they had no idea that that meant that a conference championship they wouldn't be able to go to. I think th- I bet you they didn't know that Big Ten cross country was in that two week period that they were suspending yeah. activity for. If this was a different, say this was BYU, they could pivot then to okay, let's just do indoor. Let's just focus on indoor. But yeah. Michigan is very cross country centric. Yeah. The 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 people that they recruit on their team lend really well to 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 cross country for both men and women, especially right right now. So it's it's a harder it's a harder pivot than you'd think to do that. Other programs I think it, it might be a bit a bit easier, but this is just incredibly um it's like goes against kind of what the, their philosophy is as a program, I think if you just went to indoor, right? That's hard, right? And then you, if you're only running against Big Ten teams indoors, how many Big Ten track meets are there going to be between now and then for qualifying yeah. times? That's going to be hard, right? I guess they've hosted ones. They could host some more. What about this for cross country? Could they go out and just do their own dual meet? It's like just... It's not a dual meet. You know, like, no, not dual meet. They just run a cross country race by themselves. And then their pitch to the committee... Is that yeah? Sure, we didn't beat anyone, but look how fast we ran over eight k, over six k, and our spread was like turn it into like trying to. It's like whoa, they ran, you know, their winning female ran nineteen fifty, and their fifth woman was twenty thirty. That's a pretty good time trial at six k. Yeah, they're good. Like, do you think they would try to do something like that? Uh, and no, I don't think they will, but I like the idea of people. You have two resumes in front of you. You have one team that ran four meets and here are their times and the other team, they're zero and zero, but they have some times that they'd like to talk to you about. What if they get on the Wisconsin course? What if they call up McBurn and say, Hey, can we use your course? Cause there's historical precedent at your course. Yeah, There's a lot of fast the times time. that run at your course. Yeah. Like, listen, if we ran these times at the 2018 2018- NCAA cross country championship yeah. or Medicom, we'd have finished yeah. uh, sixth. You got to let us in. Look, look at look at how look at how every time is relative to how far behind you would be of like Morgan McDonald or Alicia Monson. And you're like, oh, we're yeah. only thirteen Monsons behind. Um, so that means we're a top uh, top thirty one team. Or maybe they pay Morgan McDonald and Alicia Monson to come. Mm. To Michigan for a day, wine and dine just those two athletes. They go out to race them, and they're the baseline. So they go, all right, time behind McDonald, time behind Monson, and therefore, that's their there isn't man. I hope I'm sure the coaches are trying to figure things out and see what they can do and try to help the kids any way possible. I don't think they're just gonna sit on their hands and be like, well, looks like we're not going to NCAs. I think they're gonna try to figure out a way, but. Man, I think I they're going to try to. I think they're going to try to obviously figure out a way to schedule another meet, and I think they'll get a waiver or something to compete in another meet. Now, whether or not they do well enough in that meet to prove themselves worthy is obviously up for debate because you have to they have to perform on the day, and that's not a guarantee. And then also, I mean, there may be a, a situation where they run well, but there's other teams with really good resumes or pe- people that they're going to put ahead of them, right? I mean, are you going to bump them ahead of a, a team that has a much more complete schedule who maybe finished, you know, top four or something in the, in the big 10. So it's tough to see. Uh, speaking of NCAA news, you put this note in here about the, you want to talk about the East and West prelims already. That's kind of uh it's kind of down the road here, Gordon, what are we doing? Uh, there was a report uh, NCAA committee where they are, um, suggesting changing uh, the number of athletes it takes, the number of athletes they accept that qualify at West and East prelims. Typically, 48 athletes in the West, 48 in the East would qualify for prelims, mm-hmm. but they're thinking about changing it to 32, uh, basically to reduce the event size. Um, maybe, and they that, mm-hmm. that's the main reason, to reduce event size by a third. I mean, how many times does the 33rd or 48th ranked athlete be good enough to make it to NCAAs? Probably not often. And even if they were to make it, most likely they probably sandbagged the regular season anyway. You know? So mm-hmm. less sandbagging. That's the reason. What? Yeah. Less sandbagging. 
Less this gambling. No Morgan McDonald running 14 flat to get into the 5K and then going on. Yeah, the you got to run 1350. You got to run 1350. That's what you yeah. do, Morgan. He was the one I thought of most recently. But yeah, that goes what, 48 down to 12, if I'm remembering. So now it'll just be 32 down to 12. Down 12. Yeah. yeah. On the long list of things to take issue with, I would put this at the bottom. I mean, if this is what yeah. they want to do, if this is what they need to do. I'm sure there's some coaches who probably think this is a good idea just in general. Forget the, yeah. forget the pandemic. Like, why are we, why, why do we have a, you know, I guess 96 people, if you count both, both regions going to this, this meet, it drags it out even longer. Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck if you're ranked 33rd in your event this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sucked like, when you were 49th last year. Yeah, that's true. It's all, but, but I think you make a good point of just like how many people outside of that range make it who didn't have the ability to run faster. Top it is, yeah. I guess the pushback that you would hear would be, okay, well, we have a limit on where we can travel for meets. It's much harder to get fast marks. So certain schools are going to be at a point of advantage than other schools because they can get to Stanford and run the fast 10,000 or run the fast 5,000. But to that, I say, hook, listen, ho everybody has a track, right? Do some home meets, do some home meets. Weather's Relax not going to be perfect. Do some yeah. Do some home meets, do some home meets. Like, well, not everyone you know, has an indoor track. That's one thing. We no, no, no. I'm talking about outdoors. We're talking about outdoors. If we're talking about this rule, it pertains to outdoors. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think I'm just envisioning the pushback. I'm I'm putting I'm closing my eyes, Gordon, and I'm putting us behind a camera talking to a Division One coach on the other side of the camera, and what problem they would have. And I think someone would say, nothing of anybody in particular, but I'm saying they would say, well, if you happen to be in a location that's geographically convenient or able during the COVID era to compete at a fast meet, you'd be at an advantage for these distance races because you can get in all these, these meets and knock out a good time. And I guess to that, I would just say, well, you got to compete. What are your you thoughts of them just eliminating it altogether and just say top 24 marks go? We do that in indoors, top 16 marks go. I don't like it because I think there should be some competition element to it. I actually like the I like the regional setup. I thought I wouldn't, yeah. and then I went I went to one meet and it was awesome because Michael Norman split forty three and Rod Benjamin <laughs> ran like forty eight. That's when he ran forty eight low, and yeah. everybody was just going hard. And I thought everybody was going to jog through it, but it was pretty awesome. So oh, Krisha Swizer, Wayne Kaladi, and Edna Kurgot just like went hard from the gun and I was so confused because I thought they were just going to jog and then kick and they ran like a ridiculously fast uh, 10,000 that year in Sacramento, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a cool meet. I'm for it. It took me one, okay. it took me one meet to talk me into it. I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then, and, but you brought up a good point because I remember asking you at the time, I said, what's the deal? Is this just an aberration? And you're like, well, it's like the last big hard effort that they want to do before the big show in a couple weeks. So for distance runners, it, it kind of makes sense that they would go and just do this one last hard effort. Same thing with sprinters as well, too. Not to say there's not yeah. jogging. There is some jogging, but there's also – like Sabrina Sutherland that year ran – and she ran two flat in the 800 and set the, set the national lead. Like they were – you don't want to play around too much, basically, right? And your coach doesn't want to play around too much because you could end up – out really really easily um so i kind of like the meet and i like that there's a competition element to it and if you had all yeah. those people go to nationals then that would be way too long of a meet then you have like a six-day meet right if you're going from 48 down to a final it would, it would take too long yeah no i agree i like the meet too just hey if you're gonna willing to cut down to 32 why don't we just cut the whole thing down to 24 national qualifiers but yeah. Well, so 30, 32 means so like in the sprints, four heats, right? In that in that first section yeah. of like say the hundred, right? There'll be four heats of eight. Yeah. And then would they go that down? So then they would go that down to a uh, 
I guess they would just go that down to two heats, right? And then they would do. Yeah. So, because normally it goes down to three heats. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the that's the semifinal. So. Because yeah. normally it'll go three heats of eight, where it's top three auto, and then next three fastest. So here yeah. they'll probably do. Go from four to two, and then it'll be yeah. top four auto, and then the next four fastest. Next. Yeah. And I get it. People are like, well, people aren't trying to, you know, you, you still get it. Like there's no winner of the prelim meet. I said, like, well, that's, that's okay. Cause you have to think of it as literally like the first round. You're just advancing. It's just, well, yeah, no, that, just... would they really go from 32 to 16 to 12? That seems weird to have an event where it goes from 16 to 12. That so you sense. think they'll just go 32 down to 12 in one round? Maybe. So then what would that look like? So you'd have four heats, the top two in each heat, plus the next four fastest? Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Because you want to go from 30 – going from 32 to 24 makes no sense. Like why are we having mm -hmm. a a round to eliminate eight people and 24 advance? Like it's just – That's just a, to keep I think the – I think, I think it's, it's to get to rid of – It's round process. That's why they would do it just because you keep it. It's just like what you see yeah. at U.S. championships when you're like only eliminating one or two people. You just want to yeah. keep the round order the same. But if you're talking about if you're talking about going 32 down to 12 in one round, you got to be ready to go. <laughs> There's no easing into that thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting to think about. I mean, what about like, what about like 1500 wise? Would they do two? Would they do three heats? of 12 i guess yeah that makes sense three heats of 12 it works for the 1500 i feel well 12 would be three, too many that'd be that'd be 36 you have to do like oh yeah two, two heats of 11 and one heat of 10 is what yeah. would get you 32 maybe they i don't know yeah that's gonna be interesting to figure out how they uh change the rounds if they do at all like how they qualify but i i know how they'll do the 10k Instead of 48 <laughs> people on the line, there'll be 32 people, and then the first 12 get to go. I guess the 5,000 would the 5K would be, be cut in half? Two, probably would be, right? Two sections of 16? 16? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, the desire is to keep the amount of people at the facility down, but is it also to shorten the length of the meet as the well, time? too? I don't know. Yeah. We'll discuss it on a future case. podcast. Because <laughs> if that's the case, cut out a heat of the five for the men and cut out a heat of the five for the women, and you're and then you're making up some time. Yeah. Cutting a section here or there of the hundred isn't going to do too much. But yeah, like I'm 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 curious how they would I would do that because I think that's where you'd see some some surprises come in of first heat and you have to be on it and oh crap you got you 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 drew a fast heat and you end up getting you know, third or fourth in your heat, and then you're waiting to get through on time. That could be, yeah. that could be some, some upsets there, I think. Man, wild times we're living in. I feel bad for Michigan. Oh, still sucks. Hopefully it. they figure out a way to let them have an opportunity to try to qualify for NCAAs because as of right now, Big Ten was their only opportunity. Um, but yeah, this weekend, we'll talk about it later on in the week. There's some uh, big cross-country meets happening. The Big Ten. There's another meet happening in Nevada on a Monday, which Nevada. you and I. Oh, they say Nevada right now. Yep. Listen, What's the difference between Nevada and Nevada. We just. I grew up in Nevada. We say it Nevada, and that's one of the first primary states too. So we know that you're in good with the people in Iowa, but I need you to be in good with the people <laughs> in Nevada, and you don't yeah, want to offend them by it. saying okay. Nevada. You already made. You already made your play for Florida. With your Tampa Bay yeah. love earlier in the show, so I yes, see what you're yes. what you're doing. Here. I'm working. I see um, what I'm doing. Yeah, no, no, I, I see, I see what you're doing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot going on this weekend. I want to talk about Jim Walmsley missing the world record in the 100k by only 12 seconds, but I, I think we could talk about that on Wednesday because I want you to think about in your life, what's the thing you missed by the smallest amount of time, or what's something you spent six hours doing? What's something you spent six hours doing? and missed by 12 seconds because that just seems so demoralizing to me i watched the video did you see the video of his finish yeah 
He's like, he's happy he's done because, of course, everybody's happy when they're done running for so six like, hours. What's the point? <laughs> what was the whole point of this? Yeah. He got the Sucking American cost. record. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, any I mean, other? It, it's yeah. prob- I mean, I think the best is probably everyone's uh, feeling of watching all of Game of Thrones for it to end with like a shitty ending. You're like, why did I spend all my time? invested in this this great story for it to end like this and he was like why did i spend all my time running this race if it's gonna end with a an american record and not a world record okay that's good i we actually need to wait to talk about it on wednesday that's a good that's a good take i haven't seen game of thrones so i can't oh i can't relate to that but people i saw people in the running world talk about oh this is equivalent to missing the 100 meter record by a hundredth of a second and I would say, no, it's not, because that person committed nine seconds to running. Jim Walmsley was out there for six hours, nine minutes, and 26 seconds. He ran 5.57 a mile for 62 miles, only to miss it by 12 seconds. I have, there I have is no, I know There is no parallel. Similar. What's I that? know one that's similar. Uh, it's being from America and deciding to fly a 14-hour trip to Shanghai, China for like a random Diamond League meet all for you just a false start. So you literally got on a plane for 14 hours, go there, false start, then have to fly 14 hours back. So you spend like 24 plus hours of your time on an airplane for nothing, for a false start. I think it's like- Well, he got the American record. He got the American record. Yeah, so he something. had something, he got something from- Didn't he already have I, it? W- no uh yeah uh that's a good question listen i mean would you rather miss it by one second or by 12 seconds 12 100 definitely rather same by 12 same yeah. i mean he would so, probably yeah. say one because he's a competitor no. and he would want every second but for me that would be excruciating listen but when you make the comparisons to the shorter events, you think, oh, if they just timed their lean better. Do you think that was the issue here? Do you think he should have started leaning with like a mile to go? Is that the equivalent in the 100K? You just start falling forward? Yeah, I mean, did he know? When did he know he wasn't going to get it? I mean, it's not like he didn't figure out he wasn't going to get it 12 seconds out. Like, mm-hmm. there was probably a point in the race where he knew he wasn't going to be able to make up the 12 second gap that grew. So he probably knew, like, with three miles to go. When do you think he knew? A mile to go? Two miles to go? Three? I don't even want to put myself in the headspace of what you're thinking about after running six hours. But, I mean, if if it's a mile to go, then the math starts probably making a little bit more sense. I'm not sure how good he is with running math, right? That's a, That's a tough skill. Some people we know are good at that. Some people, you know, you struggle. You you look at the clock and you're trying to do the splits in your head and you're trying to trying to figure it out. I just think once you do know, it's just it's got to be completely demoralizing. And then there's that other phenomenon of you see the clock way far off and then you're like, "Oh, I'm not that far away. I'm definitely going to break this barrier." And then you start running towards it and you're like, "I'm farther away than I thought." Yep, okay. Well, we are on the north side of what I need to be. I think you probably had that <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Too. I mean, he had the clock and he had, you know, information the entire time. But what do you do? You've been running six hours. Your legs aren't working anymore. There's, there's nothing physically you can do. That's probably what gives him peace of mind is like, oh, it's not like a man. If I'd only know, it's like, no, I did everything I could. My body's just not meant to run this far because I'm a human being. Here's also a, a thing we need to think about. Should you really feel bad for him? He chose to put his body through six hours of running. So that's on him in a way. Like, are we really going to have pity for someone who's going to be like, it, I don't, like, maybe you should just not run six-hour races. Maybe you should start running a little shorter races. Maybe you should run, like, mm-hmm. two-and-a-half-hour races or two-hour races. I think, yeah, so it was not his old record. The old record was 620 seven so he beat that by 18 minutes he crushed that one so you're right what does it take for someone to want to to want to come do this like where does the what 
what goes into your brain to be like, yeah, my goal is to be really good at running six hours. That's just like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you can, yeah. I just, I just, I mean, for me, even like, like marathon to me is like the farthest. It's like, all right, okay, that's like when you go, but you know, but like beyond marathon, mm-hmm. it's, I just don't understand the type of people who, who aspire to be 100k runners. Just, yeah, there's only so much Here's time a- in your day, in like your life that you're gonna miss out on like things like, you know, if when do you have time Six to hours. read a book, you know, something like that. I don't know. Put it, get it on Audible, I guess. Put it in your headphones. Yeah, and you can get a lot of you get get a lot of books done. I see too from this Runner's World recap, uh, three and a half hours into the race, it says his shoulder hit a course sign and was bleeding. For the duration of the Ooh. race from his shoulder. <laughs> this is just <laughs> so he literally hit a, a parked car as what you know the, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the course sign wasn't I, moving. Again, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him for that too. After running for three and a half hours, I would be getting a little delirious. The thing is he has he had to run for two and a half more hours after that while he's bleeding uh from his shoulder. Ah, congrats to him on the American record. Obviously. When you break down 12 seconds over the course of, of 62 miles, it's got to be a little frustrating, but I'm sure he'll take another shot. That's one thing we know about Jim Walmsley. He's not he's not shy. Okay, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Gordon, thank you for joining me today. Um, who knows what we'll talk about on Wednesday, but we'll find something. Thanks to Alon uh, for producing and for putting Love together this music. Beautiful, beautiful music. There it is. We'll see you guys Wednesday. Email the pod.